0: And when I looked
1: closer, there was a, a Sasquatch face on the other side, and uh, was looking right
0: back in at us.
1: Staring back at me is a silhouette of a very, very giant monkey.
0: An intriguing discovery is being investigated in a community east of Seattle. Someone came across a lengthy trail of extremely large footprints.
1: They are up there. Welcome, everyone. You've tuned into the Nicola Valley Bigfoot podcast, a place where your encounters are told. To share your encounter and to be on the show, email me at nicolavalleybigfoot at gmail.com. Now, sit back and enjoy the show.
0: All right, uh, so my story begins in uh, northern Minnesota. Um, in the summer of 2012, I, uh, took a, a job as an internship actually, uh, on the Boundary Waters, uh, in Northern Minnesota, um, just outside of the, the town of Ely. Um, and we were a, uh, a Boy Scout base, um, it's called the Charles L. Sommers base. Um, it's still up there. It's a high adventure base, one of several in the country. And uh I was a a guide there. Um Eagle Scout myself, so it's really cool to go back and uh work with the Boy Scouts. And I also went on an expedition when I was seventeen at that base. So it's really cool to come back and uh revisit the boundary waters. Um I'm gonna be referencing a couple of different lakes here for anybody that does know the area. Um we use the Fisher maps. Um So if anybody has Fisher maps or really any kind of map of the Boundary Waters, uh, you may know where I'm talking about. It can help help put the picture together for you. Um, But my job was essentially to uh, just kind of be kind of a background guy. Um, The the scouts would run their own trip. They'd plan their own route. Uh, They would cook all their own meals. My job was just to make sure that they got from point A to point B safely um, and learn something. Uh but usually trips for about seven to twelve days and uh I had a really normal summer up until one of my final trips. Um and that trip uh happened it was later in the summer. Um I wanna say it was in like June. I don't quite remember, but um the crew in that particular trip they were younger. Um they were the youngest crew I'd had. They were it was uh, nine of us total, so two Scoutmasters, myself, and six boys. And uh, the boys were anywhere from like 10 to 13, so pretty young group. Um, and they initially wanted to do a uh, a 200-mile uh, paddle and get their 200-miler patch. But I knew pretty close to the end of the trip that we weren't going to make that goal. Um, so I told them we could still get 100 then get a 100 patch and we can take a detour and go see a waterfall um there's a pretty flat area there and the the waterfall that we went to is called eddie falls so it's one of the very few in the area uh really pretty waterfall um you can find quick images on google of it but a uh, really nice waterfall um and not something you see uh all too much up there a lot of the, the what they call falls there are usually rapids but this is a an actual waterfall and so we uh we went to the waterfall and we hung out there and uh everybody kind of took a little shower and we got into camp and we camped very close to the uh to the falls so we could hear the falls off in the distance pretty close to it um and uh, the campsite was situated right there on the on the lakeside um, and this would have been Knife Lake, uh, south arm of Knife. And we we camped in right there kind of on a just around kind of a shoreline, a lot of granite rock, uh, very bare there on the shoreline. And then behind our campsite was just a huge blowdown of uh, brambles and downed trees. I mean, very, very thick and I mean, almost impossible to get through. Um and there was one little trail that went out presumably to get firewood. Um and it was just kind of like matted down uh matted down brush. So I had the I had the boys setting up camp and I had the uh the scout masters, we also called them advisors. I had the advisors working on getting a fire gun and I was going out to do a larger wood run to come back with uh firewood to cook on. Um and as I was out on this trail of the matted down brush, um, I'm out picking wood, and there's tons of it out there. Um, so I'm out picking wood. I've got a big armful of it, and I'm getting to about my limit of what I can carry. And that is when I heard the scream. And this, uh, it was it was unbelievable. Just the the, the nature of the sound itself, because I've heard a lot of different animals in the woods. Um, and I mean, mountain lions will scream and it sounds like, sounds like a banshee. And, um, I've heard moose scream as well. I've heard all kinds of things. It was similar to a moose screaming, but the, the tonality was different. It had a lot of depth to it and you could kind of feel the sound. It was almost like, um, it, it almost kind of like it froze me up a little bit. It was almost like being hypnotized. It yeah. was really, really strange. I've never had that happen to me before with an animal, uh, with an animal sound. I mean, they can, they scared me before. Animals have scared me for sure, but I've never had a sound freeze me up. And, uh, just, I mean, it, it hit me right in the center of my brain, kind of. It was, it was a weird, weird sensation. It was very, um, just very deep in, deep in my head, kind of. It wasn't painful or anything. It was just like uh, my focus became very intense, but not on anything in particular. It was just, I just kind of lost track of what I was doing and just kind of froze up. And I remember my vision kind of went weird. Um, I don't remember really what I was seeing at that point because I was fully invested in the sound. And that all happened within a couple of seconds. I mean, the first scream happened and then about five seconds later, there was a the second one. And this is all coming from my left side, and I can't see through the brush that's on the side of the trail that I'm on. So I can't see what it is, but I can hear it, and I can tell that it's coming closer to me um, as it's as it's moving through this, this brush. And um, it was about five screens before it finally, before I was able to kind of like snap to, but they got progressively uh, more and more physical. Um, to where by the fourth and fifth one, I mean, you can feel it in your chest. Um, it, I mean, it rattles your entire body. And it was just so close. And, uh, I also, I mean, by the fifth one, it hit me so hard that I just kind of dropped my wood pile. Um, and I just involuntarily made like almost like a barking sound. Uh, never made that sound before or since. No idea what it was. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I woofed back at this thing and that was kind of when i snapped to and i was like i need to get back to camp wow. i don't know what's happening here so i run back to camp and uh get back there and of course they're all standing around wondering what that was that they had heard and uh you know thinking quick on the spot um cause i didn't want to freak the boys out i told them it was wild boar uh there are no boar in that part of the part, part of the country. So, um, the advisors, they were from Oklahoma. So they knew that, uh, they knew that was bunk for sure. So, uh, but they didn't say anything in front of the boys, but they did later on say, uh, that was, uh it wasn't a bore. And, uh, I had to agree with them. Um, and I had to tell them, I did not know what that was. i would never heard that before in my life. And, uh, after that, we, uh, went on to bed and, uh, that's when it really started to get pretty interesting. Um, the way I would set up uh, at that job was I was able to camp off by myself and get some space away from the boys, and uh, that was usually in my hammock. So unless it was going to be a super rainy week, uh, if it's going to be rainy, I would take a tent, but generally I will just take a hammock and a tarp. And um, as a rule, I've always set my hammock right about my eye level. Um, and then kind of climb up into it, and you know, I'm about six feet, uh, six two, something like that. So usually about six feet is where the hammock is, is going to be sitting. Um, and uh, I do that just mainly to, you know, I like I like being high off the ground, a bit of a climber as well. So I just enjoy the sensation of it. But um, I would also sleep with a tarp. Uh, if it wasn't raining, I would just sleep with it pulled over my head like you pull a blanket over your head, and um, instead of stringing it up. You know formally in like an a frame, so that was the way it was that night, nice clear night and uh but I was just sleeping kinda what I call open open hammock sleeping just with the tarp over my head and everything, and that was to keep the mosquitoes off and the and the dew in the morning Um, so it had to have been i'd say three four o'clock in the morning based on the light level it gets it gets dark super late in the summer there like eleven thirty. Um, fully dark, and then I um, mean it gets light pretty early, so it, it was full dark. I know that, and I awoke to the sound of sounded like a woman sobbing. It's the only way I can describe it, but it was loud. It was um, it wasn't a cry or a wail. It was just a <laughs> like a sobbing kind of sound, and it um caught me off guard because I've never never heard an animal make that sound. And so I'm laying in the hammock and of course I can't see anything, but um am just listening, just training my ears and trying to pick out what, what the sound is um, as well as the footsteps. I could hear the footsteps coming through the brush. So the brush was down toward my feet. My head was up toward the lake. Um, and I'm hearing this thing come through the bramble that I had been in earlier. And um, I can hear the footsteps coming through the sticks and it's coming initially from my seat, and I hear it kind of go to the left, and eventually I hear it enter camp. I heard the, the footfalls changed, um and the sobbing had stopped. The footfalls changed from, like, sticks and brush to where I could hear the heavy footfalls on the granite uh, of the campsite itself. And... I'm listening to it as it enters camp, so it's now almost directly to my left, but uh, about 50 yards away, I would say, Um, and I'm hearing it coming straight through camp. I mean, it's coming straight toward where I'm at in my hammock, Um, Now I didn't have a light on or anything, so I mean, I'm totally in the dark. My headlamp was in my pouch of my hammock, um, but at the time, I dared not move at all because I I was thinking bear. At the time, I was thinking there was a bear or a moose uh, coming up near me. I didn't want to surprise it. Um, So I'm just kind of laying there listening. And before I can really decide on what I need to do, uh, it's right up next to me. Um, It was standing on my left side as I was in the hammock. And um, I could feel the body presence of it. It it was huge. Uh, I mean, you could feel the presence without seeing it. It was a large large creature and uh, i could hear the breathing um it it had a breathing to it um that was very distinct in the way that it inhaled and exhaled um at the same volume and it was a congested kind of sound and uh but yeah i mean i could i could definitely uh hear that and feel it right there next to me um and at that point, I just had to make a decision. Um, you got to remember, I'm still thinking bear or moose. I'm like, all right, well, the best thing we can do now is hopefully just kind of pop out and try and scare this thing off into the woods and hope that it does not maul me. And that's what I did. I just uh, I threw the tarp off my head. And when I did that, my left hand actually struck this thing in its chest. And um, that's when I like was able to kind of feel it um actually the way i've compared it before is my hair at the time was was long and uh i had a couple dreadlocks and it was super coarse and uh it felt a lot like my own hair did i mean very long or it wasn't fur i wouldn't say like it felt more like hair um and i hit this thing in the chest so um like what i felt was it felt, it felt like a sectoral muscle to me, uh, but a huge one. I mean, this thing was rock solid uh, when I hit it. Uh definitely was not a breast, um, but it was rock solid when I hit it. And uh, as soon as my hand touched it, it was gone. I mean, it was gone like, like a flash of lightning so quick, down back toward my feet, the way it had come. And so it was now down back into the brush. And I mean, it crashed through that bramble. It wasn't on the trail. It crashed through the bramble um, quicker than... I mean, it was taking me, you know, 30 minutes to make it as far out of earshot as it did in that amount of time. It it was it was so fast. And so at that point, of course, I, you know, grabbed my headlamp, got up, and actually started looking around for uh, for tracks. I was looking for, I was actually looking for bear prints, but um, didn't see anything, of course, because it was uh, mainly granite and just kind of duff. So it doesn't really hold anything. And uh, I was like, man, I was like, that was... That was weird, but I decided, you know, not to wake anybody up because nobody had woken up. I'd done a head count. Everybody was dead asleep. Um, and so they didn't notice. So I decided just not to say anything about it. Uh, and, uh, the next morning we, we got up and we packed up and, uh, headed on down the south arm of the Knife to our next site. And that next site was called Robin's Island. Uh, Robin's Island is a, uh, I mean, it's, I wouldn't call it a large island, but for that area, it's fairly large, large enough that it has a campsite. And on the U.S. side, a campsite is always designated by a fire pit and what's called a grumper. a grumper is a, um, it's just a big fiberglass toilet seat, basically, that goes over a big hole. And I say the US side because we are on the Canadian border there for people who aren't familiar with the area. Um on the Canadian side it's all primitive camping. There's there's none of that that's already set up by the Forest Service, or it is on the US side. So um so that's how you designate a campsite on the US. So we found one on the Robbins and that's a really popular place to camp, but often that site is taken. So we were kind of stoked to get it. And uh we we settled in there and it I mean it was like two or three in the afternoon. It wasn't, you know, we didn't do a huge paddle that day. And uh we settled in, and the um, first thing, you know, usually go to the bathroom. So one of the advisors needed to go visit the grumper. And so he went up on his way and was not even a few minutes later. He came running back down the trail. He's still pulling his pants up and he's just hollering about something that he had seen up there. And he said, he said he saw a gorilla that ran right in front of him as he was on the Grumpers. He said it ran right across the trail in front of him. Um and that it was huge. He said it was he said it had to be like nine feet tall. And um so I asked him, I was like, sure it wasn't you know, a bear. He said it was not a bear, that he had hunted black bear uh many times in his life and it was not a bear. Um he said it was upright, running very, very deftly very agile, uh, very naturally. And, uh, I mean, it was on two feet, it was nine feet tall and he said, it it said it looked like a monkey. And, you know, so at this point it's become out of my control. Um, I was trying to, you know, keep the crew a little bit, a little bit more, you know, comfortable, but I knew if those boys found out what had been going on that they were going to freak out and they did. Um, so as soon as he came down and and they heard that, I mean, that was, that was the end of that. They did not want to be on that Island anymore. And, uh, I didn't really either. Um, so I was like, all right, well, why don't we go ahead and do a night paddle? Cause I'm thinking at this point, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about being back in that hammock the night before. And I'm like, well, if I touch the chest at six something feet, I mean, that put the head right around nine. So now I'm like, is something following us? Um, I'm still thinking he, he'd seen a bear. Um, and it just freaked him out too bad that he thought it was something else. But I'm thinking we're going to be in by a bear or something. So I'm like, you know, what? why don't we just, you know, everybody's scared. We'll do this night paddle. And so we ate a little dinner, uh, a little early dinner. And then we loaded up the canoes again. And. Uh, put on our headlamps and we started paddling and uh night paddles are usually super peaceful they're a lot of fun um i've done plenty of them just just for the sake of doing them but um we decided to go ahead and push as far as we could go uh to basically back to base camp to moose lake um you're not allowed to come in too early but uh you can pull in and camp very near to the, to the the pullout. Um, to where we where we get off water so we decided to do that we're going to push for a campsite right near the near the takeout and uh and go from there in the morning just go ahead and paddle right in um but to do that we had to go through a chain of different lakes and uh do some different portages and so we did all that and the final thing you got to do is go from newfound lake to moose lake and newfound is connected to moose by a small channel of water um, it's just a natural little channel made by two points of land that basically pinch it off. Um, and it, it's pretty narrow. Uh, you have to shoot it dead down the middle. Um, otherwise, you will scrape the bottom. And so uh, I was in the lead canoe. I was I was in the stern lead canoe steering it uh, through this thing so everybody could follow us. And uh, from the right side, the right bank, um, I just, well, I heard it first because it hit a it hit a branch on the way out, but I heard it first and then just like looked up with my headlamp and I saw a gigantic rock. I mean, it was like the size of a basketball or volleyball, um, at least. And it's coming out of the right side from the right bank. And it's like way up in the air with an arc to it. And it landed almost square on the front of that canoe. If it would have hit the canoe, it would have sunk it. It was a Kevlar canoe. So it would have crushed that thing. And, uh, I mean, it's lucky it didn't kill a kid that was sitting in front of it uh, in the front of the canoe, and uh, it hit right in front of us. I mean, like a cannonball um, created a enormous wake, splashes. I mean, it was a big rock, and there's no cliff there, so it's. I mean, this thing had to have come from some mechanical force uh, that lobbed it off of that shore, and I mean, that's it's right on the motor trail, but there's nobody sitting out there with. A trebuchet throwing rocks at people it just it doesn't make any sense and at that point i don't even know what's happening um i had to admit at that point that i didn't know what was going on either so i just said let's just go let's paddle so we paddle right out to the middle of moose lake and uh we tied all three canoes together out there and dropped an anchor and we sat all night on that lake um because we were too scared to go back to land at that point and uh so the following morning um we got up and we went back obviously into uh into camp and um went and you know had our lunch and did our our little rendezvous thing we do at the end of a trip and everything was you know everybody was acting like everything was normal and then uh they left the next morning they didn't want to talk about it really um and so we just didn't really talk about it um but they left and after they left that morning, I went to do a shift in the canoe yard, doing canoe repairs and helping people offload, putting canoes away, making sure all the equipment looks good. And, um, my buddy came off, um, my name Justin and he, uh, he trained with me when I first got there. Um, I'm from North Carolina. He's from Tennessee. So we were you know, naturally buddies and I was helping him pull a canoe off and we we're putting it back up on the rack. And, uh, just see that he had, he had this look in his eyes, like a, almost like a thousand yard stare. Like, like, you know, he was just, he was distant. He was off somewhere else. And, uh, I asked him how the trip was. Cause he had been on the same loop we were on, which is called bear loop. Um, part of bear loop. Uh, so he had been in the same area and, uh, he said it was great until they got right into the knife Lake area. Um, he said that in knife Lake, um, they had a couple of weird, like like something was stalking them through the woods, and they couldn't really tell what it was. It said that like something was following them, um, and they never got a good look at it. And he also said that um, they had a rock thrown at them in in the newfound pinch, which is exactly where it happened to us. Um, yeah, I mean, he described it as big messed with. He said something something messed with us out there um, for you know for a couple nights, and so. Uh, and so he came off water and then after that, I mean, for quite a while, a couple of weeks, people kept coming off water with these stories about, um, having rocks thrown and, uh, seeing monkeys and, um, just having things creeping around their campsite. And I mean, just all the stuff that we had experienced and, um, so we were all sitting around the staff lodge one night and we're swapping stories about this. And, uh, our staff lodge was, you know, fairly small, a nice little rusted cabin. And, uh, we played board games and all that kind of stuff. And so we're all sitting around talking. And, uh, one of the older guys was sitting in the back corner of the room and, uh, he's listening to us tell these stories. And eventually these encounters start to come up and, uh, he just kind of chuckled a little bit. And, uh, he said, uh, it's about time somebody else has seen one. And so I asked how long he had known they were out there. And he said, ten years he's been encountering those things right in that area of Ninth Lake. Um and then he says on the blue of my mind, he said they talk to me. And I asked him and I asked like do they talk like speaking a language? Um and he said he said no, they he said no, they, they speak straight to your brain. Um and he said the less the less you acknowledge them the less they bother you. Um, he said, but they, they can read you um, and they like it when you're afraid because it's like a game. And so he said the best best method is to just kind of ignore them and they'll eventually leave you alone. Um, and I never had anything like that happen to me, like like he talked about, but um, still, you know, don't really know what, exactly happened out there um, because, you know, I've always been open to the idea of Bigfoot. Um, so that was never, you know, out of their own possibility. It wasn't something that I immediately was like, no, it can't be. I was like, well, you definitely could. Um, but the, the way that he talked about their intelligence kind of stuck with me. Um, and, I mean, what I remember specifically in saying is that they can read human emotion as clear as pages in a book and that they know our species better than we know ourselves. Um, and that, that kind of, that hit me a little bit harder, you know, because you find all these stories of, uh, you know, native tribes who, for the most part, I mean, definitely consider them real, um, just as real as any other animal. So, um, yeah, he uh, he did kind of open my perspective a little bit more on what they could be beyond a biological creature. Um yeah, that that's my story. Wow. Did did he come right out and tell you that he believed it was a Sasquatch? Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, right away. Definitely.
1: And what was your reaction? I mean, I know you mentioned earlier that, you know, you kind of believed in Sasquatch, or you knew about them anyway. But, you know, once somebody else kind of tells you what that thing was, like how, how did you react?
0: Um, you know, honestly, I was not that surprised because I was unable to, I was un- unable to place the behavior with any other animal. There's just nothing else that does that. So, I mean, honestly, it's kind of refreshing for me to feel like I was not crazy. Like, uh, just, you know, I've never, I mean, I've been in the woods a long time, I've done a lot of hunting. Um, yeah, I've just never had anything behave, uh, in that way. And so it's actually refreshing to be like, okay, maybe this is something that I don't know about. Like that's, that helps me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that does, I understand actually. That makes sense too. I mean, it has to be something, right? And if somebody else has some knowledge that you don't, then you know what? If they say it could be a Sasquatch, then why not? Right? I mean, the possibility is there. Um, You mentioned earlier, Chuck, uh, that, you know, it was kind of, well, you kind of alluded to that. It might have been following you. Like, if you had to speculate, do you think it was following you or, or stalking you in some sort?
0: Um, I either think that, either I think that one of them was following us from from the campsite where everything started to the island. I think that was the same creature, but I think there's multiple out there because for it to have gotten from Robin's Island to The newfound point where the rock got thrown—I mean, that's—I just don't know how it would have done it uh, without us encountering it another time as we were paddling through. I mean, there's there's only so many routes you can take. Um, uh, I think we would have known. So I think the one that we saw at the island, or that was seen at the island—I didn't see it—but the one that was seen at the island, I think it stayed where it was, um, or at least didn't follow us. And I think that we ended up encountering another one in the pinch that threw a rock at us. So I think, I think it was at least two, possibly more. I mean, you know, who knows he, the, the older guy claimed there's lots of them out there. Um, like a, like a large family unit, I guess is kind of, you know, the vibe I got from what he was saying, but, um, yeah, I, I think it was multiple, but I think one did follow us for a little bit.
1: Yeah, it just seemed like, you know, as you're moving along, you kind of watch what you're doing. Do, do you think, and I'm kind of going off the rails a little bit, but do you think it had something to do with the fact that you had, you know, Boy Scouts with you type of thing? I mean, Sasquatch and their curiosity of children are kind of well-known. Like, do you think that had something to do with with uh, these Sasquatch approaching your camp?
0: You know, nobody's ever asked, asked me that question, and that's a really good one. Um Thinking about it now, and the fact that that crew was younger than any crew I'd taken before, you might be onto something there. Um, because all the crews I'd taken before were at least sixteen. I mean, they were they were young men. Um, that's an interesting question. I've not even thought about that angle.
1: And did you talk to these kids about what this was, or did you just kind of try to keep this as calm as possible and try to you know keep the situation on hand as best as you could?
0: Well, I tried to. I tried to keep it, yeah, I tried to keep it pretty, pretty low key. Um, I did end up speaking with the advisors, um, not very in depth. I just, I mean, really more to the tune of a short conversation, like, well, that was pretty weird. Um, I was like, yeah, that was weird. (laughs) Um, And then that was kind of it. We didn't really talk about it. And you have to remember at the time, I had not heard from that veteran guide yet. So Mm. I had not told anybody about what happened and I still didn't know really exactly what had gone on was still trying to piece that together it was only when justin came back with his story that and i had not told him anything that happened to me yet so just hearing him come back with that immediately i was like okay i was like so something is weird out there for sure and then hearing everybody else coming off that same area that's when i started putting it together i was like okay maybe this is something else um yeah and then i mean you know that old guy he put it all together for us and i mean he outright said you know exactly what it was
1: <laughs> it definitely seemed like all the puzzle pieces were kind of falling into place and you know like uh, a lot of the times and i don't remember where i heard this quote from but i heard it from somewhere but a lot of the times things don't make sense until you add sasquatch to the equation and then everything kind of falls in line you know right from mm-hmm. the start of the scream that you felt penetrate your body which i want to ask you about because you know i felt that as well um but, you know, right from the camp into the, the coming in at night and being curious and, and you know, it just, yeah, everything kind of added up to, to this older gentleman telling you, yeah, they're out there. There's plenty of them out there. But I want to ask you about this, this, this roar that you got hit with. Um, like, you mentioned that you felt it, like, in your brain type of thing. And not, not to make this about me, but I, I felt that as well. I, I remember being roared at, and it just penetrated my whole body. And I couldn't move. I, I, I could. I, I knew what was happening mentally, but I couldn't physically do anything. Is did that? Was that similar to yours?
0: It, that's exactly. Yep, exactly. I mean, it got me. It hit me like right in the brain and right in the chest. Yeah. Like, like I could feel it in my in my chest cavity, um, but also like within my within my brain as well. Like deep in my head. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I froze up like it. I mean, if I had had, if I had, had a firearm on me, I would have been powerless to even grab it. So I couldn't, I just, I didn't lose muscle control, but I just lost the ability to do anything yeah. at all. Like I was still standing, but I just I couldn't do anything.
1: Yeah. Funny fact real quick before uh, we move on here, but I was actually out looking for uh, clues. I was looking for footprints, you know, trying to capture some kind of vocalization, that type of thing. I actually had a, a recorder in my hand when I got hit with this thing and I could not push the record button for the life of me. I, I just, I, the thought of it just even left my brain. Like I could, it was the weirdest feeling I've ever felt in my life. And I, I don't think I ever want to feel it again, but just when you were talking about it, it really made my hair and my arms stand up. Cause I just, it took me right back to when I got hit with that too. So <laughs> I just wanted to throw that, that tidbit. in. Yeah. Minutes. Well,
0: that's a common thing. You know, people ask like, how come there aren't more pictures? And I'm like, because <laughs> they, they stop you from, being able to take one—I mean, it's—it's it's crazy to explain to somebody, but that hasn't experienced it, you know. But yeah, I mean, that's exactly. Uh, yeah, why I've only shot one, why I've only gotten a good picture because you can't. It's—I mean, you're very lucky to get any kind of an image um, yeah. at all because when they know you're there, they can stop you from doing anything.
1: Yeah, it, it's quite amazing. They're, they're absolutely amazing creatures, and I, I just—I can't get enough of them. It, it just, it's just—it's—it's kind of lit a fire in me i mean did did it do the same to you i mean did you start researching a little bit did you start looking into trying to gather more information about them
0: oh i mean i would i would i would say it made me a little bit obsessed i mean i still am um took a little break from it for a while just living out you know closer to the desert it's not that you know as big of a thing as it is um in the appalachians or you know minnesota or um pacific northwest but um but, I mean, even here, I started hearing stories from, you know, from from uh, indigenous mm-hmm. cultures here, Navajo and Ute And, um, I mean, even they say they're out there, they say they're in the desert, they say they're everywhere. Um, and interestingly enough, right where I live, um, I live on a dog ranch, a sled dog ranch in Hesperus, Colorado. And we live right at the foot of the La Plata Mountains. The Navajo believe that they came through multiple worlds to get to this one and that where they came out is right in the middle of the plot. So they believe there's a portal in the Plata Mountains. Um and that it's sacred and that they are not the only thing that can come through it.
1: Huh. Oh, wow. What what else did they say comes through? Like dogmen and that sort of thing or?
0: Uh Skinwalkers. Um Skinwalkers, Sasquatch. Not heard any dogman stories out here actually, but um uh, UFOs, huh. interesting. crazy weird orbs of light. I mean, yeah, Skinwalker Ranch type stuff for sure. Um, but, I mean, we're right in that area, you know.
1: Yeah, very interesting. The
0: southwest is a really weird place. <laughs> you know
1: what? I, I, I Another side you note. Know? <laughs> I've been invited to go down there and just to kind of do some Sasquatch research down there myself. And I've always been tempted to. But, you know, it, it's there's a lot of things that happen in the desert. And, and uh, you know, Sasquatch, I think, is the least of the 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 worries that you have when you're walking around at night in the desert, there, there's a lot of things.
0: that can, Oh, totally! Yeah. Or even just driving through it at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've driven through reservations at night. Is uh, yeah, it gets weird out there for sure. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I definitely lot, believe lots it. of UFOs over the lots of UFOs over here too. But of course, we've got a lot of military installations around as well. So you never really know <laughs> what you're <laughs> what you're seeing, <laughs> yeah. and they're not going to tell you. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Did, did you talk to anybody? I mean, after you, you know, the the older gentleman, the old scout leader, I'm assuming he was, uh, kind of. Uh, he was a guide, a, yeah. a guide. Yeah. After he kind of told you what it was, you know, you go home, you, you're getting back into your life. Did you talk about it with anybody, or did you bring it up, or, or what did you do with this
0: info? Oh yeah, yeah. I started I started talking about it almost immediately, um, and you know, telling people what happened to me and what I believe it was. Yeah, I had no. Yeah, I didn't hold anything back. Um, and that's kind of how I ended up becoming, you know, the Bigfoot guy <laughs> within, <laughs> within my family and friend group. I mean, I'm, I'm known for that because I mean, I believe in what I experienced and, um, yeah, I've got no qualms with telling people about it. doesn't bother me one bit because yeah. I know people are going to doubt it and people are going to say what they're going to say, but I know what happened to me.
1: Yeah. I, I get that as well. I'm the quote unquote Bigfoot guy and uh, I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely not an expert. I'm still learning as I go, but you know it, it's kind of a a little label that got placed on me just because of the fact i've i well i have a podcast and i and i actually go in the bushes and look so yeah I understand that
0: as well um anybody yeah. who claims to be an expert is full of themselves yeah. we, we know <laughs> <Absolutely>. almost nothing <laughs> uh. Did this
1: whole thing change you? I mean, like, did it change any perspective other than you know you became a little bit obsessed? I mean, did it did it open your eyes to anything else, or, or was it just one of those things where okay, Bigfoot is is that, and I want to look look into this, or, or did it have any other kind of effect on you? I guess is what I'm trying to ask.
0: Well, what's interesting is that um, initially when it happened, um, my idea. Of what a Sasquatch is. And, uh, actually I, I said this in my Sasquatch Chronicles episode, um, I did at one time believe flesh and blood, biological creature, unknown species, um, you know, nothing crazy to it, but having listened more, especially to Wes's podcasts, um, and, and other shows, um, and then having some somewhat weird questionable, like parapsychological experiences myself in the woods since then, um, I have totally, like, flipped to 180. I Yeah, I I went, uh, I guess we used to call it woo-woo, but, I mean, I went full woo-woo, man. I totally believe that they are something different than a flesh and blood creature. Um, and that also kind of ended up rearranging my entire philosophy, um, because, I mean, I was a staunch atheist for a long time, and I'm not anymore. Uh, not that I'm religious, but I definitely I would believe that there's something else going on that we have no ability to understand measure or observe, um, in our current state, uh, and with our our current technology, I think there's just a lot out there that we don't know. Um, and I think that nature itself has an intelligent presence. Um, and that comes from working, you know, in the wilderness for a long time. Um, and I I think there are, I think they're stewards of nature. I think that's what they are. They're, and I think the reason that I've never been, you know, mistreated by them, in you know, multiple experiences, um, I feel like that's because I'm a good steward of wilderness. I pick up trash, um, you know, I do things like that because, you know, I've always been in the woods. I'm pure LNT um, all the time. I was an LNT instructor, so I <laughs> will take good care of the woods. Um, I think they, I think they notice that. Yeah. So. Um, and I think the more open to them you are, I think you are you open yourself to more experiences. Yeah, absolutely. So w-
1: was it Sasquatch directly that kind of got you on this road, or, or or was it kind of... And I'll explain what I'm asking here. I mean, the possibility of Sasquatch existing has already been proven to you. Now, did that change your your, your mindset into thinking, well, if this is real, why can't this be real? And then if that's real, why can't that be real? And it kind of starts a a chain reaction, so to speak. Is that how you went from, you know, just thinking they're flesh and blood, you know, living, breathing primates that we just haven't discovered yet into something completely different? Like, And I'm assuming the woo factor is, is where you're at. Uh, is that what kind of happened with that?
0: Well, um, well, what I don't, you know, what I don't mention and, you know, when I tell this story, just because I don't want a tangent all too far, I've had ghost experiences since I was a child. Um, so I've always been a little bit more paranormally oriented, but for a long time, I believed in, you know, more energies, residual energies and, um, things that aren't really, they're not intentionally interactive. It's just something you run into. And if you're sensitive to it, it can happen and it can manifest in whatever way it may. Um, so, you know, kind of more, I was trying to align my experiences with, my non-religion, I think. And in order to do that, I had to rationalize it. So it's like, okay, so it has to be a non-intelligent energy um and Bigfoot has to be a you know, an unknown species of animal, just an animal. Um but having experienced some of the things I've experienced since then um and and hearing other people's accounts and uh, especially Les Stroud's uh interview on The Chronicles hit me pretty hard. Um because I, I mean, I trust that in with my life. I learned a lot of what I know from him. Um, so for him to come out and and be open about uh, about the you know mind speak and all that like that helped me a lot. Um, to not feel crazy because I've had things like that happen since I was in Minnesota. Um, yeah, I mean, it just yeah, I think just being being more open to it. it the more open to who you are, the more you start to experience um because they become comfortable with you and they know that you know you're not going to like you're not out to get them yeah um yeah i mean they they i think they are they're character judges i think that's what they are they're character judges yeah. and i'm not saying i have great character i mean you know i'm a, am a heathen but i do think i, I take care of the woods <laughs> i think yeah. that's what counts for them yeah
1: i, I think they have a, an ability to see things that we don't and uh you know that, i think that comes from from millennia of not being corrupted by human emotion and human reaction which is a poison <laughs> like it or not people well and that's something
0: <laughs> that's something you hear a lot from from native cultures too they'll tell you the same thing that they decided early on they didn't want to associate with us yeah. and and they don't um for the most part well i'm lucky that, or yeah. unlucky
1: <laughs> well i find that you know i speak to some you know the indigenous people here in this area that you know, and there are a few that they will communicate with and they will reach out to, but those are kindred spirits. I mean, those people are, are uh, they're definitely one with the earth. We'll put it that way. And that's the easiest yes. way for me to explain And yeah. And, you know, yeah, they will totally. reach out to them. But, you know, as for the average Joe who's walking around with a gun, you know, no, there's not much chance that you're going to have a purposeful Bump in with them, I mean, if you do it's gonna be by accident, and it's not gonna be um it's not gonna be a peaceful
0: experience but that's just you know it's own. interesting you mentioned, it's interesting to mention the gun factor because I said I'm a hunter um both archery and uh i mean rifle shotgun i mean I hunt with I was hunted with all sorts of different weapons um I have never had any kind of an encounter when I had a weapon on me besides a knife I mean I always carry a knife but um, any kind of a like a shooting weapon never had an encounter when I had one on me it was always when I had uh, pretty much nothing <laughs> besides just a buck knife yeah so, I, I think they yeah.
1: yeah I definitely believe they know what guns are for and what they can do so I, I think oh they yeah avoid, yeah. Absolutely. yeah definitely well Chuck this has been great I, I really do appreciate you coming on the show here but I want to ask you one more question before I let you go though, is do you want to see another one would, would you want to run into another one
0: um I think about that a lot. Um, I think I would, uh, just because I don't know. Yeah, I think I would. I still have questions and I just, I don't know. It's not that I want to have to prove to myself that they're out there. I know they are. It's just, I just, you know, give me a little more closure to actually physically see one. Um, Versus just having experienced one. I mean, I, yeah. I touched one, but never got to see it. That's a weird, <laughs> kind of a weird thing to know that you touched one, but you never saw it. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think I would.
1: Yeah, I mean, you came <laughs> as close as you possibly can be with, without actually putting visual eyes on it. But I mean, to to push up against that thing, it must have been. You must still remember that
0: feeling. Oh, all the time. Yeah, I mean, I still I still dream about it. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I absolutely remember that feeling. Yeah, I mean, just yeah, I can feel the I can feel the coarseness on the side of my hand as we're talking about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what these creatures have the ability to, to how they can change somebody's perspective and just change somebody's life. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing.
0: Oh yeah, rearrange yeah. yeah. everything <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Chuck,
1: I want Luckily, to say. Luckily, I mean, I'm a wilderness
0: guide, so that's you know, it's kind of part of the part of the business, but. <laughs> Yeah,
1: Yeah. Well, Chuck, I want to say thank you again for for taking the time to come on the show today. I really do appreciate it, and thank you so much again, Of course. And for the listeners, if you guys just want to hang around, we're going to close out the show. Stay there. And we're back, everyone. We are back to pull a pin on this one, but we got to give Chuck a huge thank you before we can do that. Uh, Chuck, buddy, thank you so much for taking the time today to come on the show. I I sincerely appreciate it. Um, You know, a a lot of the times when I talk to people, you know, months or even years after I've I've spoken to them on this show, their perspective has changed. You know, and Chuck, to have your, your whole idea of what Sasquatch is change is not really surprising to me. Um, my own perspective has changed on this, on the subject of Sasquatch, you know, what they are, where they come from, all that sort of stuff. And it's just from learning. So I'm kind of glad that I'm able to speak to other people who have, you know, open mind to, uh, to, to, change it. You know what I mean? And Sasquatch does, uh, they have a funny effect on people. So, uh, uh, Chuck, thank you so much, buddy. I, I, I do appreciate it. Uh, let's see uh, if you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show email me at nicolavalleybigfoot at gmail.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-A, nicolavalleybigfoot at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And, uh, let's get your story on the show. Okay, I think that's going to about wrap it up for this week, guys. Um, I think you're all expecting some kind of update on the conference that's happening, and, uh, I, the news is I have no news right now. I'm still waiting for a confirmation from some guests, and, uh, Once I have that, then I can really plow forward and uh, hopefully by next week I'll have uh, a better update for you other than what I have right now which is not a heck of a lot. (laughs) Other than it's happening. um, May 13th, Nicola Valley. First annual Nicola Valley Bigfoot conference at the Chaluse Arena in Lower Nicola, just outside of Merritt. It's not too far of a drive. Um, Like I said, there will be more information coming as the days go by here hopefully by next week uh soon though we we'll, we will have something figured out but until then just kind of uh be patient with me cuz i'm totally new at this and i'm trying to still trying to figure this thing out but uh i will have information coming up for you shortly so uh just stay tuned okay i think that's about gonna do it for this week everyone i hope you enjoyed the show i really enjoyed speaking with chuck and um tune in next week i got another great show for you and until then i will talk to you all later bye